Welcome to The Build Up. I'm Kirk Pinhop. And I'm Arielle Cass. We cover real estate for Cranes Detroit Business. Together, we're launching this podcast to give you the inside scoop on commercial real estate. We'll be bringing in experts from across the industry to offer their perspectives on the biggest issues they face today and what challenges they expect for the future. This is The Build Up. Today's guests are Lynette Boyle and Michael Martarelli of Beanstalk Real Estate Solutions. The firm has residential and commercial properties throughout Detroit, including the Guardian Building, the Mary Grove Campus, and the Obama Building. After a career that included time with Kirko, Farbman Group, Sterling Group, and Bedrock, Lynette formed Beanstalk in 2016, focusing on property management and brokerage. Recently, Beanstalk joined with Center City Properties to create a multifamily housing division. Michael is the new director of sales and leasing for that side of the business. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Of course. So as we were saying, this merger is pretty pretty recent, brand new, uh, just this month. So can you talk a little bit about what brought it about and how it's been going so far and what's been surprising, good or bad? Yeah, so... Um, we, we were the uh, property management company for Auburn and Milton in Midtown. And that's where I actually got into starting with property management um, as my own firm. And the sale of the Auburn and Milton at the end of 2021 brought in a new management team. Um, the new owner had been working with Beanstalk. And so one of the things that we did um, early on was help them transition the property management, you know, from Center City Properties over to Beanstalk. And what I found is working with the Beanstalk team was um, was quite easy. And there were a lot of things that I saw that they did that I really liked. We were um, getting close to opening the doors or um, working on opening the doors for Woodward West, which is a Queen Lillian and platform um, development that just opened up in at the beginning of July. And so one of the things that I had been working on is trying to find resources to help us continue to grow. And what became you know uh, quite apparent was the easy thing was, to work with the people that we were working very well with. And so Lynette and I sat down, had a few conversations and talked about different ways that we could partner, things that we did that they didn't necessarily do and vice versa. And so that actually got us to where we basically, um, I, I, I told Lynette, you know, I, I'm a jogger in general. Um, I like to run four or five days a week, but keeping up with um, Lynette is like running a marathon. And um, um, she very quickly, you know, put together a plan that I think, you know, um, positioned the, you know, the team to be able to take advantage of the resources that, you know, each bring to the table and also to meet the needs of all of the properties that we manage. So that's kind of how we came up. We came together. We got to pace yourself in a marathon. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why I keep telling Lynette. <laughs> right. Right. I think Michael's team, Center City, brought to us um, some real expertise on the multifamily side of the business, how apartments and apartment management and leasing is structured. I didn't really have a strong multifamily background, but we were growing in that arena, which we're going to talk about. The market has shifted. So I think more and more commercial property managers are trying to get into residential because that's what's growing. So it made sense. And he said, hey, you guys have this great team. You've got accountants on staff. You've got an HR department. You've got all this bigger business um, bells and whistles that we don't have. So let's let's bring the two together and 
I think we've got a recipe for success. We've got a lot on the horizon. We've brought on a lot of new clients already. We're pretty excited. Michael, can you talk a little bit about what Center City brings and what experiences you've had in, in the decade you've been there that you're, you're bringing to Beanstalk? One of the things that we did um, when we when I started uh, Center City Properties, you know, ten plus years ago, was to create a, a property management structure that wasn't just like a one size fits all approach to property management. It is to take a look at each property and see what their needs are and try to figure out a way to efficiently manage these properties. Um, I've been a resident of um, Detroit for. 20 some years now. And one of the things that is important to me is to actually see these um, properties, you know, um, thrive and be able to, you know, survive. Um, and some of these owners, you know, were working with, you know, models that just didn't necessarily work. Um, and so what we tried to do is develop a structure that allowed us to go in, talk to these owners. And, you know, we, we, we were very strategic in terms of how we were approaching our growth and we wanted to you know, remain local um, and also um, be efficient with our resources so that we could try to do more with less. So that was our approach over the, you know, 10 plus years, you know, we, you know, we were mindful of the fact that we were smaller. Um, we, you know, looked to see where there were needs that uh, made sense for us, um, where there's a, you know, owner that has good intentions and, you know, really wants to make a difference. But, you know, for us, it was, you know, making sure that we could be there for the owner and then for the end user who is a tenant. Um, and so what we, um, what I feel that we bring to the table are a group of dedicated um, team members who, you know, take that into consideration when we approach anything that we're doing, whether it's, you know, with a six unit building or, you know, you know, like Woodward West with a 200 plus unit um, development. What have you each learned from each other so far? What have the surprises been? I think the surprises are the people. You know, realizing how you grow your people. I think um, for Michael, if I can speak for Michael, I think he really appreciates how much emphasis we put on the culture, training, nurturing, the growing of our people, the lunch and learns, the really making them high level sophisticated. Um, we take a commercial approach to residential, if that makes sense. In commercial real estate, you invest a lot in teaching your people how to do really high level budgets. Um, high-level organization, using technology in the cloud, um, the way you store data. Um, so really that investment of the people, I think his he and his team really appreciate that. They're like, that's what we were missing. And for us, I think learning from them is their approach to that, that experience with doing residential leasing, um, having a lot of bells and whistles and things in place that give um, prospective tenants a really great experience from the time they first pick up the phone or send in an inquiry till the time they move into their unit. He really has it down pat into how to deliver the space and deliver that experience from a residential standpoint that we just weren't privy to. You know, we know how we do it in commercial, but it is very different. This is their home. When you talk about residential, like, the, you know, people are moving to Detroit, sometimes from out of state, sometimes to go to school, sometimes they're afraid, you know, maybe they've heard something about Detroit. And Michael and his team have a way of really making them feel fantastic. We've gotten so many great emails, even since Woodward West opened and from other tenants that say, 
Now, Michael and his team are still going to be involved, right? They're not going away. They need to be involved every day. And so, you know, it, this is very, very collaborative for all of us. Lynette, you've said well, when we last caught up extensively that uh, business kind of stagnated at the, at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, but since then, vaccines have become widely available. Some people have boosters. I'm wondering uh, what, what has shifted, on, aside from obviously the, the merger, uh, what has shifted sort of from a business perspective since then? Um, I will tell you, uh, LoopNet and CoStar put out an article yesterday and 20% across the country of office space is still vacant. Um, we're still seeing people hesitant. We see a lot of people doing short-term renewals in commercial in the office market. Uh, they want to do a one or two year renewal. We still see some downsizing. I think until we know how this is going to shake out, again, you've got high gas prices. You've got an economy that's a little shaky right now. So I think a lot of business owners are saying, I want to look at this very fiscally conservative um, in terms of how I structure my office space lease going forward. They don't know how many of their workers are going to come back full time. I think we're seeing more and more hybrid. Um, I personally just had an employee put her notice in, a great employee. She said, I am so sorry. I love you guys, but I have an opportunity to do um, property management administration, but it's 100% remote and I can't say no to that. I'm so excited. So, you know, we're, I think a lot of business owners are saying, boy, I'm saving money by not paying as much rent. And in Detroit, you know, you still have that challenge of the taxes and the parking expense. So, you know, smart business owners are saying, let me think about this before I commit. What's going to happen? We don't know. I think the pandemic pushed everyone to start using technology quicker, smarter, harder, faster. And they're realizing like this is working. The problem is you've got a lot of Gen Z and millennials that are now learning and working remote. And so how do you grow those young people when they're not in the office, you know? So I think everyone's sort of weighing these things. I'm downtown every day. I've never been remote. Um, we manage a ton of buildings right downtown and we're still seeing, we're seeing a little bit of an uptick with the summer. I think people wanted to get out or willing to come back out as the COVID numbers dropped, but it's still, it's still slow downtown. It's, we still have a lot of retail that's closed. We're starting to see a little bit more inquiry for retail, a little more, bit more activity, but we still have restaurants not opening until four o'clock, right, Michael? We still have, you know, you go to take someone to lunch, it may be open, it may not be open. Um, so it's a new normal downtown, and we're hoping that this is just wrapping up and that come 2023, we start to see both the, the we're seeing a little bit more residential pickup downtown. So that may bring more people wanting to come back to work downtown. That's kind of where we're at. What, what does that mean sort of going forward for the state of downtown if, you know, the the, the you know you can say the occupancy or the I'm sorry the vacancy rate is twenty percent but there's no way there's no, I think you and I both know it's not twenty percent it's way it's way more than that it's just that you know the numbers yeah that's just higher. nationally right that's nationally if you look at Detroit it's probably a lot higher than that um, you know we were on such a fantastic trajectory you know pre COVID I worked for Bedrock it was fantastic everybody was excited um, but I think that. Again, business owners are hesitant. We still don't see commitments in lease renewals long-term. 
one to two years. Um, the nonprofit uh, sector seems to be a little stronger than the private sector. I think industrial flex warehouse space is great because you kind of have to be on site to do the work. Um, you can't find warehouse space anywhere, right? That, I mean, it's just, it's gone gangbusters. It's just the office space downtown. And I don't have a magic, you know, crystal ball. Everyone will give you an opinion. I say we have to wait and see. This is something, this is uncharted territory. And again, I really think all that the pandemic did was kind of fast forward what technology was already starting to bring about. Michael, how has the pandemic impacted the city from where you sit today? I was fortunate enough, you know, after starting Center City Properties to, you know, basically ride a really good wave of um, um, activity in Detroit leading up to the pandemic. And, you know, as you know, everyone knows, things slowed down during the pandemic. But for the most part, our properties remained pretty much fully occupied. Um, we had, you know, a little bit of turnover, you know, more turnover that, than what we would typically see. So at the David Whitney building, where we would usually just have, you know, 20% or less turnover, you know, we were getting up to 30, you know, 40%. And some of our longtime residents were leaving to go, you know, seclude, you know, at their cottage or, you know, at their lakefront property. And we were sad to see them go. And my concern was, is would we ever see these people come back? Because, you know, are they going to, you know, be happy with their, you know, new, easy, easy, you know, um, slower paced lifestyle? And, you know, now we have to focus on a new, you know, demographic that, you know, would be interested in some of these, you know, higher priced, um, you know, more luxurious um, units. What's beneficial is the um, location of our properties um, close to universities, you know, close to the you know hospitals where, you know, you have first responders, you know, definitely have housing needs. So we were very fortunate um, to have those properties in those areas. Um, what we have been seeing this year as, you know, people are understanding what, you know, what life looks like, you know, um, as COVID, um, you know, becomes the new norm is they, they missed the lifestyle that they had. You know, so some of the people that, you know, went and um, um, took up a home at their, you know, lakefront properties are coming back and saying, hey, I'm interested in you know, a place in the city again. And I think that that's um, a good sign for Detroit itself, um, because we will always have this, you know, the student population that's going to be interested in housing. We will have, you know, the um, Wayne State um, faculty and staff and, you know, Henry Ford and DMC, you know, we're very fortunate for that. Um, but then also you have like, you know, a, a, um, a segment of the population Two segments of the population I think were very critical. One that we were losing prior to the pandemic, which would be the younger population that was being priced out of the market. Um, and then also, you know, the people that um, were downsizing over the years, empty nesters that were wanting to be around culture and diversity and and um, finding a new home in Detroit. And so the pandemic possibly corrected um um, both of those, you know, where, you know, it, it brought back the people that were, you know, very interested in, you know, culture and diversity. Um, and then the younger population now found that, you know, there are a few more properties that have um, entered the mix and um, things became a little bit more competitive. And so they're finding that they are able to 
you know, get a home or find a home in the price point that they were looking for or that they weren't able to get prior to the pandemic. Set aside that you have um, businesses that aren't, we're not we're not sure what that looks like in terms of, you know, how people are going to be working. People are still choosing to live in Detroit, even though that they might be working remotely. And so I think that um, buildings are going to have to get a little bit more creative in terms of, um, you know, how they are designed or set up, you know, to appeal to these um, people who are working um, differently. And I think that that is going to benefit Detroit in many you know, ways because it will position us to be able to compete with a workforce out there that is able to work remotely. And while someone might not want to, you know, work in a northern climate and they can, you know, live in the southern climate and, you know, get paid the same amount, we do have people that are wanting to be in Detroit. You know, Detroit's still a draw for people. So if they can come to Detroit and and have, um, you know, things that are accessible to them that make it easier for them to work. I think that, you know, things look um, um, bright for Detroit. Um, it's not as, you know, doom and gloom as, you know, what people would think based on the fact that, you know, people aren't in offices. Lynette, can you talk a little bit about the challenges you've had in the field as a, um, a woman in a, an area dominated by men, and especially since you stuck out on your own? You know, um, the, the challenge, I think, for women in, in, in a very male-dominated industry is just to be smart. You have to be extra smart. Um, you really have to under-promise and over-deliver in a big way. You know, I'm lucky. I've been in this business for over 30 years and downtown for over 30 years. So you build a, rep- a reputation. Hopefully, people respect you, and so they're willing to take a risk. I think it is still um, it is still challenging for women. It just is. Um, I, I, again, I'm lucky because I've been down here a long time, so I've paid my dues, and I have a lot of big wigs on my on my side rooting for me. Thank God. Um, but I really built again a smart team. I try to hire people that are way smarter than me. People like Michael, my partner Crystal, is a real estate lawyer and a broker. She's amazing. Um, my accounting team is fantastic. I have to be better than everybody else. There's no room for mistake. A, the name of our company stands out, right? You don't forget a name like Beanstalk. So if we mess up, it's all over social media. And because we're women, I think we have to be extra careful. You know, people kind of go, who are these women? They're never going to make it, but we're here and we're making it. So, you know, we just have to really, really be on top of our game. Michael mentioned people moving. Um, Lynette, I seem to recall that you had moved a lot as a child. Um, And I'm curious about what that did for your definition of home, how it influenced how you think about home, and what that means for the homes that you're providing for others. Um, My moving a lot made me want to have one place. So I lived downtown all through college. I lived in Midtown, which was at that time the Cass Corridor, right? Um, Several apartments on Willis, on Second Prentice. Um, lived in Lafayette Towers for a while as a kid, ended up buying a house in Gross Point about 20 years ago because I got married and had a baby. Um, and I like being out in the suburbs at that point. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like what you see. You see young people wanting to live in an urban center. People leave the urban center. They go have a family. And then they become empty nesters and they want to move back downtown. So I think Michael can testify that we see a lot of college age, young professional people living downtown. 
Um, and we see a lot of empty nesters even now coming back downtown. Um, and so as he indicated, I think you're seeing um, apartment condos being designed for those two groups with amenity spaces that, that meet their needs. We, we manage a co-op in Dearborn right now. And this co-op is for seniors and their amenity spaces are completely different than what you see at Woodward West. They have a woodworking shop and a, a billiards club and they have a community room that is like a library where you can sit back and smoke a pipe if you want and read books. And even actually the commercial buildings are doing the same thing. They're saying, okay, how can we make people want to come back to the office? Let's put in um, mobile furniture that can be repositioned in the lobby. If you go over to the Guardian building in the lobby, we put in furniture that can all be moved so that you can have meetings down there. Um, it's comfortable. We have little coffee bars. People are putting in water with infused fruits and vegetables in it and, you know, um, community spaces in the building that you can have team meetings um, that are a little bit more fun. Necessity is the mother of invention. So we're seeing a lot of creativity now in the built environment because people are looking at how do we do this? What do we, well, you know, it's, it's, it all comes back to marketing, right? What's going to be the draw for people to come back downtown? I will tell you this. My biggest concern is we've got to make sure that our city is clean, is well lit, that people feel safe, all those things that Dan Gilbert worked so hard to fix. I don't want to see us go backwards. That is my biggest concern for our city right now is because there aren't as many people, we're also seeing the services be a little bit questionable. We need to all be involved. It takes a whole community. We'll have to talk about the amenity space more in the Cranes Detroit Business new lounge complete with beer taps and booze. So. Um, I'd like to, I'm, I'm curious for both of you, um, what's your biggest failure in business and how did you overcome it? My biggest failure was not completely having a strong HR background and a, a financial background for running a business. I had to learn very quickly, both my partner and I. So Crystal sort of oversees the HR, 401k benefits, all of that. I oversee the financials and how are we doing and how are we reporting and what does our P&L look like and where are we losing money? Where are we gaining money? One of the things I learned is that you can grow your business to the point where you're not making any money anymore, right? So you have to grow smart. Growth is not always good. Sometimes you make more money with three properties than 10. Um, so it was those sort of um, strategic decisions that I had to get real smart on really quickly. And it's painful because that's not what I love doing. But you don't have a choice. You have to know how that stuff works and, and, and how to trust people to, like I said, you have to have hire people that are smarter than you. That was my biggest challenge, Michael. How about you? So I would say that um, where I failed is, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I took on opportunities without necessarily making sure that I had the processes in place that Lynette talked um, about that's so important as you continue to grow. Um, you know, one of the things that I always wanted to do is provide, even though, you know, we we were we're just nine employees. I my goal was to be able to provide healthcare benefits to the entire team, and that was just one of those things where limited resource resources only allowed us to do certain things. So, 
you know, I would always offer up to our employees, okay, we have a little extra money because of this new, you know, property that we brought on board. What do we want to do with it? Do you want benefits or do we want to hire additional staffing to hopefully make our lives easier? Um, so all the things that I think, you know, well, not think, but I know that are important, um, you know, for a company are things that I was um I'm so desperate for, and it was it, that's what made the decision to you know partner with um, Beanstalk so easy. It's because they had the resources that I you know was um, um, dreaming about. Um, one of the things that I did from day one is to make sure that you know as I continued to grow, you know, from a one person operation to nine employees, was to make sure that I took care of my team members because that team was what made us successful. And so prior to people talking about, you know, uh, starting, you know, um, um, hourly wage of $15, um, I was paying people minimum $15. And I didn't care if it was a janitorial support. Um, it didn't matter what it was to me that 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 was my starting point in terms of paying people. Um, and we were getting to the point where most people were at $20 an hour or higher. I'd rather, you know, sacrifice um, um, money in my pocket to make sure that people have, you know, had a quality of um, living that, you know, um, you know, help them, um, but also, you know, didn't make them want to go somewhere else. And so, you know, for the most part, um, where I failed, um, I had a lot, of, a lot of loyalty. And I think that that is something that... Um, you know, I was able to take, you know, from this experience is, is knowing that, you know, these people were so dedicated to me and to what it is that we were doing, um, that the things that I wasn't able to provide that I couldn't be, you know, so hard on myself for, because at least now I can say, because we're part of Beanstalk, you know, those things are now, um, attainable. Well, thanks to both of you for taking the time. It was great to chat and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That was good hearing from both of you. Thanks.